Hello everyone, welcome to another night of the PDTG Hotline. It's the show with the hottest takes and the hottest topics. Gotta mute myself before I echo the stream. Uh, you know, audio issues, it's the classic. We've got a really cool guest tonight. There's no lights in my setup. My dad had to use them, so, uh, you know, we're vibing out. But uh, we're gonna go ahead and transition to the guest screen. And then go ahead and introduce our guest. We got the one and only Henry Brand. How are you doing tonight, my guy? Daylight Savings has uh, tricked me once again, but we're here with a uh, very exciting guest. He's multi-regional champion, streamer on Twitch, leader of a small army, uh, Azul. How's it going, man? I'm doing good, guys. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm chilling. It's been a you know long day. Got some excitement in the United States. We're vibing out. It's been a long week, but uh, here on the hotline, glad to have you, Azul. Thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. It's a, it's a super fun show. Glad I could be a, a part of it. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so hopefully we get some interesting uh, questions for, from callers. Before we do, we do want to touch on a couple things. Uh, so we have Vivid Voltage coming right around the corner. Has anything caught your eye so far? Um, it doesn't seem to be too... There's, there's no... Uh, I, the, the way I've been putting it, there's no Eternatus of the set. Where, like, immediately yeah. you, you saw Eternatus, you saw Crowbat, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's going to be good, right? It doesn't feel like we have one of those, but I'm, I'm excited for Orbeetle. Max for sure it's just really cool i really like the ability i've like thought about an ability exactly like that before and i'm like that would just be a cool ability if that was on a pokemon you do 10 damage to everything when it's in the active and now it's finally here so i'm excited to play with some orbital v max yeah i know azul's been hyping up orbital quite a bit i also really like the card uh, i have some content on cfb that's going to be coming out later this week that talks about some of my thoughts but as well how are some of the ways you're looking to play it do you have any ideas going around are you thinking about playing it just as its own thing do you have a secondary maybe it's just getting splashed into a deck like Pikaram, add some damage what are your thoughts on that um i really haven't thought about it too much i usually don't overthink uh i always have so much like stuff to do in the present format that i usually don't overthink or even like come up with lists for stuff from a new set at all, but uh, maybe something with Poke Doll. You set up, you go like spread your tens and then retreat to a Poke Doll pass. Something like that is I've thought about, but besides that, not I haven't gone too far with it. Okay, were there other cards in the set that you liked other than Orbital? Um, I like the Jirachi. He's really cool. I don't know how good it will be I, now that I've seen the Manaphy and the Celebi that are coming out next set. I like. Don't really care about the Jirachi anymore because <laughs> those I feel like are so much better or have so much more potential. Mm -hmm. The ones that search for the Pokemon and the energy. Um, but the 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 amazing rares are cool for sure. Um, they're all very awkward, obviously, to attack with. Um, but we might eventually get some amazing rare support. Um, who knows? Like what kind of stuff we could get for that? Maybe like you know, e gain for amazing rare or something like that. Like who knows what? Maybe something like that. I mean, maybe they'll just be what they are, which makes them pretty awkward but um they're very powerful if you can attack with them which is like setting setting them up and attacking with them is going to definitely be the challenge so besides those um and or beetle uh not much i know a lot of people have been hyping up the colossal vmax and it does seem cool it'll probably be solid but um i'm not as like and it'll i'm not as like drawn to it i guess yeah i'm pretty on board the colossal i think it's like decent in terms of emax goes but there's nothing as you said there's no alternatives in this set something that really lives up to it and i think it's probably the best like fighting type thing you have and so if you're really going into something and you really just want to counter things i guess you can play that over excadrill but yeah i don't think it's like groundbreaking i uh got some vivid voltage packs this past weekend and opened one of those amazing rares they're really cool looking like i hope we get some more playable ones and then obviously when events come back 
uh, whenever that may be. They're just so cool looking. I definitely want to like fill my deck with them and maybe we'll get like triple rainbow or something stupid to help power them up. Or like Azul said, maybe they're just, you know, sitting in the binder for the rest of their existence. But <laughs> we, uh, we, Henry and I decided not to touch on Vivid Voltage too much uh, because we've talked about the last two shows, but we definitely want to get Azul's quick thoughts on Orbital and some other things. I want to go ahead and branch into something that we touched a little bit about on the podcast last time indirectly, but expanded. We got some really cool news uh, recently, Shame in the X Band, Sableye, uh, Dark Explorers, Oranguru from Ultra Prism, uh, Melodic, and I think that was it. There might be one more. But uh, what are your thoughts on the ban list? I think I saw on Twitter or in a stream from you that you weren't completely satisfied with them, but they're in the right direction. What are your thoughts on that as well? Um, my thing was just kind of like they didn't. I feel like they didn't actually do anything because for expanded to exist as a format, those are almost essential. Um, like Scoop Up Not Shaming was obviously ridiculous, and I think uh, Shaming was definitely the culprit of that. And actually, with the way they went, like recently with Crobat and Dedenne, um, it kind of makes sense to just kind of get rid of Shaming, right? Um, then obviously Melodic had to go because Trevnor was too good, but Trevnor is a cool card, and Melodic is definitely going to have problems in the future for any cards they would print if they want to keep expanding around, so it makes sense to get rid of that. And then Orangaroo and Sableye should have been probably both banned years ago. Orangaroo uh, should have been banned, like, I don't know, we, could, we went far enough where it just definitely should have been banned at some point. So I would just kind of like, because I want Pokemon to become better and more aggressive with making the game better. So I feel like this was only things that they essentially had to do to keep expanded around. So they didn't really do anything to the format. Like nothing changed. Like they had to do this if expanded wanted to exist. Like otherwise it would just slowly decay and become so toxic that no one would play it and then they would have to just kind of get rid of it. Um, so I wanted to see other stuff banned. I personally want to see Via Seeker banned and Battle Compressor and Execute. Um, I had mentioned like Skyfield before, but I've kind of rethought that one for sure. Um, but I feel like they didn't, just didn't really do anything. Like, they had to make those bands, so... A little bit disappointing. Yeah, do you think Scoop Up Net is going to be a problem even without Shaman? Do you think it's probably okay as it is? Because I know it can be used in a lot of, like, I guess, wall stall decks, which I guess maybe mitigated without Guru and Sableye, but in general, it still seems like a pretty pretty uh, meta-defining card. Yeah, that could definitely be a problem. I didn't thought about it in terms of that. Um... Uh, I was thought thought about it more in terms of attacking decks, and I felt like there was just like no way to overly abuse it in attacking decks. But yeah, wall stalls that could definitely still be a problem for sure. Like that's like plus four max potions, which is yeah. a pretty big deal. So I could definitely see that being a problem. I didn't thought about it in those terms. Um, we'll wait and see. I mean, like there's like we haven't had any real expanded events, but there's the limitless week. The next two weeks of limitless weeklies are going to be expanded, so we'll see yeah. something decent out of that. I'm sure for what seems to be solid at the very least. I was thinking Scoop Up Net with Seismitoad EX could be decent. You got uh, eight different energies you can use with it, plus special charge, and Seismitoad's always pretty good, but it might have just been HP crept out of the format. Uh, something Chip brings up in the chat that Bunny is better than Sableye and Guru. Do you think that also should have gone, or is Bunny okay? Um, I mean, maybe that should have That probably, probably should have gone as well. Um, but Bunny was like... And it's got so much less HP. Like, one of the things with Guru is actually his HP was always, like, kind of something you had to, like... I mean, some decks, once once they set up, they could just knock it out. But, like, early Gurus or even late-game Gurus to make it awkward for you to take the knockout. That was, like, a big thing. Um, and, I mean, Sableye kind of uh, took a huge hit when Puzzle got banned. Um, but was still always kind of there. Um, I mean, yeah, Bunny's another thing that maybe should also just have gone, and they should have just, like, included that with the rest of them. Uh, it's a lot cooler of a card and can be included in other decks in more ways. Um, like over the years it's been used as like an 
a way to like just mill people out. Like people would include it as like a one of in their best Bitcoin deck because you could just, you know, discard their your opponent's two cards and win the game sometimes. With it. Like I've seen that before. And you could use it to recover on your end too. So it was never uh, used as heavily as of, of a control card like the other two were. Um, but yeah, if those two go, then I see no reason that Bunny also shouldn't, shouldn't go as well. Like that should probably be banned as well for sure. Yeah, I think um, Bunnelby's really cool. As you said, like it's got more use and it's actually like that it's very tangential but the the agent trade on that is something we could even like like to see back in the game and it was always interesting something they did with the card and it's i guess unique compared to other things and you know uh i guess rather than just recycling pure cards you can do a lot of different things with it but there's a lot of different options to abandon expanded um and as you said it feels like a very weak-handed approach uh but i guess they gotta do what they gotta do to to keep it going I'm hoping that we start to see some more expanded support uh, with these bands. I'm excited to play the format. I think that uh, if it gets more recognition, I'll probably find more problems with it, more things to ban over time, and then you know, people voicing their opinions might get heard. Uh, it's about time that they ban this card, but I agree with Azul completely. It seems a little late for some of these cards, like Guru. It's been around forever, and you know, people from like day one when it started seeing play were just like, this card shouldn't be allowed. This card's a little too good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, unfortunately, there's not enough expanded stuff, so, like, the ban list doesn't affect a whole lot. Uh, as you mentioned, the Limitless event's going to be going on. But I want to transition from expanded into standard. Uh, we got the Players qualifier, Players Cup qualifiers ending uh, this past week. I, unfortunately, did not qualify myself. Didn't play perfectly. Had some rough games. Henry, I don't think, played. He's going to be casting some of the... Oceania region things and then Azul you qualified quite highly uh, how, what were your thoughts on how the event was ran this time compared to last time and then thoughts on the format where it's going forward uh, the bracket anything like that um, definitely like a major uh, improvement uh, overall um, I guess one thing that would have been cool to see that I didn't really like think about too much um, until I kind of figured out how the I didn't play in the first player's cup but how the you know the tournament on battle firework was kind of like random seeding from here on out but it would have been cool if first seed actually somehow gained an advantage or you know top eight seeds or something like that like a buy or something i don't know how they would actually do anything with it but that would have been cool but um way better than the first time around obviously because everyone's on an even playing field if they want to participate uh, anyone who wants to participate who is like within the you know, age restrictions can participate, which I still think is um, something I would love to see change, like some way to get the juniors and seniors players involved in these official tournaments, because, um, yeah, just kind of, I mean, we might be here for another year plus, right? So it uh, just kind of stinks that uh, they don't have, uh, uh, can't play in the official tournaments. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it went pretty well for me. I think I ended uh, sixth overall in North America, um, kind of played couple different decks mostly Picaram, i think was the one i played the most but then i was kind of trolling with my last couple uh tournaments playing like grand solteria deck and stuff so um but i wasn't like uh you know going super hard out to get first place um you know i streamed all my uh all my keys uh, so i got stream sniped uh, you know a couple times for sure who knows how many times total so um but uh, i wasn't too worried about it or anything but the meta is like um it's unfortunately shifting back to very heavy ADP. It was like we had a couple weeks ago, we had a little bit of, uh, like, felt like a break from ADP being by far the most dominant. And now I think it's the most dominant it's ever been in these tournaments. Like, it's taking up, like, 30% of the meta in some of these uh, some of these online tournaments, which is just getting a little tiring and boring. And I think um, 
one of the reasons is because the Players' Cup is coming up. So literally everyone is like, well, I, I mean, that's what we saw happen when the Players' Cup qualifiers came around. It's just like, well, why not just play the best deck, right? And, and then you can't blame anyone for playing it, of course, um, um, the competition. So why not play the best deck, right? Um, so I think ADP is going to be super popular. <laughs> and then, um, you know, from there, peak around. I think Luke Metal. I, I, I wouldn't, like, I, I mentioned this on my stream today. I wouldn't be that surprised if Luke Metal was actually the most popular deck or at least the most successful um because it feels like a lot of um you know the the better you know better players you know people who have like consistently placed in tournaments are like starting to gravitate towards luke metal so i wouldn't be surprised if that was just the uh most successful deck in the tournament i think one of the reasons people are starting to gravitate towards as obviously the adp matchup is fine um and then the peak around matchup i think is where people are trying to get an edge either people are playing either you're an adp player um you're currently playing peak around or you're trying to beat Pikaram and ADP, and a Luke Metal is definitely a deck that can uh, can do that for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, it's it's kind of weird. I almost expected the qualifiers to be in the next format, but I guess it makes sense to kind of keep them in the same thing that everyone's been playing. Do you feel that you would have rathered the qualifiers be in the next uh, next format or stick in the same one? Um, I mean, yeah, I would have been fine with them going into the next format. I guess it makes, I mean, the way it's timelined up, you know, they'd have to push this out like another week or two from now for it to play in it but um i would have been i would have been happier with it being in the next format um so i assume the, the just the invitational will probably be in the next format then um but um yeah i would have liked it if the whole thing was in the next i would like it if they lined it up where like the qualifiers start like two weeks after the new set comes out and it's something fresh because right now we're at the end of the format um and then we're playing in the biggest tournament of uh of the uh, of the format uh, is happening at the end of the format, so it's like super stale. Like nobody wants to play in this. The new sets coming out. Like I was like I like I was like uh, I learned that uh, you know uh, if I if I do make it to the, the round of sixteen or whatever, that's two days after Vivid Voltage comes out. I don't want to be playing Players Cup Top sixteen. I want to be playing with the new cards, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love it if they had like pushed it so like qualifiers start two weeks after the new sets come out. So maybe in, in the next one they'll do that, but that would be super nice to see. I wonder if they made it like this because the next, like the next set after Vivid Voltage is getting delayed, and so we're gonna have a longer um, thing. At least I'm pretty sure it's getting delayed. I might be wrong on my source here, but uh, because it's getting delayed, we would have a longer format. So I wonder if they wanna, they know that the next Players Cup is probably gonna be in that one rather than the next one, and then therefore, you know, they're having the current one in the current format. But I guess we'll have to see uh, if it deviates at all from how stale it's kind of been. I guess that would make sense for sure. Yeah, I didn't know about that at all. But yeah, that would make sense that if they wanted to get some kind of tournament in this format for sure. Or, or a bigger part of this, because I guess the, the end of uh, Players' Cup 1 was in this format as well. Invitational part. Yeah, I think uh, I think I was the one that brought up the thing being de delayed. From what I could hear from certain like distributors and things, is that it will be delayed till next March. Uh, not sure why, but... I mean, that's what I've heard. I would assume that's somewhat accurate. But um, I think the reason that they make the Invitational, or sorry, not the Invitational, the final qualifiers the way it is, is I think it has something to do with like hyping up the new set um, or the new format. That's how, at least how I felt when I was in the final 16. Uh, it's like, it didn't, it didn't really make sense to me why we would play the same format we had been playing. Uh, I guess there weren't any official events at the time, but it was like they are broadcasting the whole thing preemptively so they want you to go out there showcase the 
uh, new format with the, the like top players from the tournament, so to say. So I think that's probably why they're doing it, but I agree with Azul. I think it would have been really cool to see the qualifiers and the 256 bracket and the finals all in the same new format, give people like something to test for that they haven't already been testing, but you know, whatever. It is what it is, and uh, hopefully we'll see Azul in the top 16 and maybe maybe your next Players' Cup champion here. But... I don't know. It, it's definitely yeah. interesting, and hopefully Vivid Voltage does something, makes it a little bit more fresh. But, you know, after talking to three guests now about that set, it seems a little underwhelming, so it is what it is. We'll, we'll have to see for the future. But uh, I wanted to touch on, since we were talking a little bit about meta decks and stuff, I wanted to talk a little bit about stall concepts and things. I think it was this week that I saw a few results on Twitter of people just like throwing in two to Altaria. I think Isaiah Bradner made kind of quite the god tweet saying instead of four crushing hammers, it's just two to Altaria. Be warned. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that these like stall archetypes or stall the stall crushing hammers are just making their way into decks now? Like, is that just a, a one time thing, or do you think you'll see that in the bracket? Um, I don't. It's it's kind of like. It's it's not very good. I actually lost to a Luke Metal that had a two to Altaria in it in the uh, four of uh, the Hagster tournament. I think on Monday. I think it was that one. Uh, but like I misplayed myself into a situation where I, um, you know, didn't give myself I didn't give myself the best odds to be able to beat it. So it's like it's like kind of cute. Um, I think uh, it's it's a mostly there to try and take advantage of ADP, not playing an answer to it. I think for the most part that's why people have the like the two to Altaria and like the extra drill deck. Um, because extra drill kind of struggles with the ADP. Um, and I think like a big thing is like it's like people don't know like how to uh you know adjust their play properly to when they hit run into someone playing that two to all area. They don't know what to do to you know because you have to drastically change what you do if 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 it does get set up right. And um yeah, it's just a lot of players don't know what to do in those situations. Like they don't you know they don't hit that that's the kind of situation that often and stuff like that. So it's just like. Um, it's a little cheesy, and it definitely takes advantage of like people's inexperience with trying to deal with those scenarios for sure. I don't think it's very good overall. Um, it is like a little cheesy thing. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against playing it myself, but it's not, it's not a, it's not something that should stick around in the long term for sure. Yeah, and so with that in mind, going into the Players Cup, are you kind of like, do you, do you want to be able to beat these random kind of things like four crushing hammer two to Altaria? Are you gonna like expect it, or are you kind of just are you going to adjust your deck to beat it in any way? Or are you thinking you just kind of play, it's going to beat the strongest decks and, you know, worry about that? Like, where are you sitting on the the tech versus, I guess, consistency scale? Um, but I'm definitely leaning more towards consistency, consistency recently. I mean, crushing hammers are kind of just, uh, it almost feels like a norm at this point, less so of a tech. It's just like, in so many decks at this point, it's just <laughs> like, I like, it doesn't matter what deck you're playing, you're playing, like, you've, you've been dealing with crushing hammer and the thing about the crushing hammer index is like it doesn't do as much as people think like they have to cut cards to add those right like i've had so many situations where i'll run into an adp or an eternatus they get their crushing hammer heads but then they whiff attachment for a turn and they just passed right so like um they're losing something and it doesn't like they don't just have everything alongside the crushing hammer heads right or the crushing hammers in their deck so um for most decks it doesn't feel like it makes that big of an impact i think picaram Took the biggest advantage of crushing hammer when i like for all the decks that i played like i didn't i didn't like crushing hammers and luke metal um i don't i don't think i'd ever try and fit them in adp or eternatives there's so much stuff i'd rather play um but in pikaram it felt like even though i hit four tails i was like i didn't i wasn't missing cards um i've taken them out of my pikaram as of late but um that's a deck where i felt like it just fit the best as far as the tutorial terrier thing goes 
Um, I mean, if I for some reason play ADP, I might consider a Duraludon, but I'd probably go with an Oranguru. I think I could beat a 2 2 Altaria in like an extra drill if I just have an Oranguru um, and Mawile. Like, that should be no problem. I'm not like worried about it um, to, a, to a huge extent. And Picarom, like, you have answers. Like, you have to just reserve your Cocoa potentially. But if you hit an extra drill with a 2 2 Altaria, you're probably losing anyway. So that's like not something to worry about for that one. And those are the, the main deck has been like the 2 2 Altaria and like the, uh, the extra drill deck for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I personally just like for the decks that I'm considering, which is mainly just Picaram. Um, and I started playing with some YouTube box today, and I was, that was feeling pretty good. I wouldn't like, I'm not going to go too far out of my way to try and deal with the the Altarias. Um, whatever the tools that are currently in the decks was is usually is is feels like enough, so I'm not going to go any further than that. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and but also to touch on, I think I believe it won your sub tournament a very interesting Mewtwo deck. <laughs> um, <laughs> talk to me about that. I saw your video on it. Do you think it's got any merit? Uh, it's definitely very cool, and it it the big thing that Mewtwo lost was Macargo. I think that was the biggest thing Mewtwo lost was Macargo GX, um, because basically once you use your whatever GX attack you use, you don't have like a big follow up of just damage. But the Reshiram kind of adds that to the deck, um, especially up against stuff like um, uh, Pikaram specifically. Uh, super good against that. Um, so that's like super nice to have again in the deck, but. Um, uh, and it and it does help you play around Crushing Hammer a little bit, especially because Mewtwo right now is like your big attacks are on four energy. So if they just hit one heads, if you go first, um, then you just can't get to that four energy turn on the turn two. But the Coco Prism kind of helps that out, and you can still get to four energy turn two to Flare Strike or uh, Flare Blitz with the Charizard. So that's like nice. Um, but I feel like you lose too much when you just almost just not having Naganadel is like yeah. almost enough where it's just like it's Naganadel is such a, a big card. And completely change how you can play games with Mewtwo just for closing out games, being able to go, you know, three prizer, two prizer, snipe a Zigzagoon against a Turnitus, stuff like that. So I think the Ganadel itself makes it just a worse variant. It's still cool and it has its own tricks, but um, yeah, I would still go with the, the psychic build for sure, I think, overall. Okay. It's good to know that you still think Mewtwo has a little bit of legs. <laughs> it's still kicking. I think it'll probably kick until it rotates because there's there's still a decent amount of enough attacks where you can like make it work and depending on what's actually good right now i remember danny uh actually pitching the idea of like a restaurant mewtwo to me uh right before the players cup but he was under the impression that it was the pog championship format and we thought that turbo patch accelerated to gx so <laughs> it was kind of a whole mess over around i haven't actually seen the deck that you guys are talking about but seems interesting uh Rushrom's kind of, I mean, it's cool. It it does deal damage, like you're saying, and Mewtwo's definitely kind of felt that loss that it doesn't do a whole lot of damage outside of the 300. So kind of just have to hope that your aggression takes you there and then try and flare strike. I've played a few qualifiers with Mewtwo, and it was all right. It wasn't, wasn't too terrible. But I'm definitely interested in seeing uh, Mewtwo making a comeback. I'm super curious about the Players' Cup meta, and uh, only time will tell. So anyone playing at the Players' Cup, including Azul, good luck. And uh, we're going to go ahead and hop into the next part of the show. This is probably everyone's favorite part of the show. It's the hotline part of the show. It's the thing that makes this cast unique for everyone that's new here, or if you've never been to this show before, the way that this works, you're going to be using the command exclamation mark discord or exclamation mark hotline. They'll take you to the Jenks's lab uh, discord server from there. Once you join it, you're going to see a little... Uh, a few options to look at different channels. You want to go ahead and head over to the instructions channel under the PDCG hotline tab. From there, just go ahead and read that real quick just so we can avoid any problems. And then once you've done that, you're going to put your topic into the podcast topics text channel 
from there, join the waiting room, and then in no order, you'll be moved from the waiting room into the live call with Henry Azul and I. And then we're going to be talking all the topics. We want your hottest takes and topics. Then we're going to go in uh, the Azul, Henry, and then myself order tackling these topics. So I'm excited. And uh, once someone joins the waiting room, we got our first caller. Going to go ahead and bring him in. Welcome back to the call, Jacob. How's it going? Not quite unmuted yet, so I'm going to go ahead and read his topic. Uh, uh, hey, hey, sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Jacob. My username is Kazuma. And, um, and uh, so I wanted to uh, talk about PikaROM. Um, so um, PikaROM's been in standard for like 10 sets now, and um, it's been like, it's been pretty good in all of them from pretty good to like crazy good. And um and I was curious what everyone's favorite iteration of the deck in standard was or um to either play or to play against and um and uh why you like that iteration. You want me to go first, right? James? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um the, the well I mean I played Pikaram at a couple events overall and then a lot recently. Uh, I think my favorite list was the the list uh, uh, me and the rest of the my testing group played in Berlin, where it was just two Picaram. We didn't play the Coco GX, and then it was funny because every I I won every mirror match except one, um, and they always played around my Coco GX that didn't exist, <laughs> so it was very funny. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was just it was just felt very it just felt very weird to play because uh, it was just two Picaram and then like a bunch of a couple small dudes. It was just like it was, it was a ton of fun. It was a ton of fun, especially because no one had any idea what was in the list. Um, and then yeah, the biggest thing was just like no Zeror, no Coco Pris or yeah, Coco GX. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know why I had so much fun with that list, but it was just it was really it was a, a ton of fun that one specifically. It's always fun to surprise your opponents. Uh, yeah, I think the. That kind of that kind of list definitely like that format. So when Picaron first came out, those iterations were definitely the ones I liked the most. Uh, I think kind of like you know Gustavo Wada's winning list from Berlin, like those kind of variants where the focus isn't on just getting turn one or two full blitz. Like you actually like play through the game, and you know like the mirrors are really interesting. The deck is really skill expressive. You go like thunderous assault. You have like all these different ways to play. You and you a lot of the time you only use one Picaron, right? Like you you just zap this a couple times, you full blitz, and then you you know do your thing afterwards. I think that felt really rewarding to play. Um, and also, like, I, I myself didn't play that deck for the event because I thought, okay, it's only a week out from, like, Berlin. I'm not going to get enough time to where I'm confident enough in the mirror because there's going to be people who have been playing the deck with the whole format and I'm not going to beat them in the mirror uh, because it was that, like, that actually took that much skill. Uh, obviously, not every game, but a lot of the time. And so that's compared to more, like, some iterations of Picaron where, you know, you kind of just play all your cards down solitaire turn one and, See if you get full blitz. Uh, definitely felt nicer. Yeah, I agree. So I'm sure everyone knows, if especially if you're from my channel, I'm quite the Picaram uh, extraordinaire enthusiast. You know, <laughs> friends with the Justin Bokari. The guy doesn't let the deck die. I wow, <sighs> this is such a difficult question because I feel like I've loved it every time I've played it. Uh, there's definitely been a few times where I've felt less confident about it than before, but I feel like my initial like introduction to Picaram when I played it in Collinsville, Missouri, after seeing uh, Kaiwin Kababe do really well with it in Australia, as long as or as well as a bunch of other players, I feel like that's when I <laughs> that's when I disliked it the most. 
But by the end of that tournament, I was like, wow, this deck is so good. It has so much potential to be improved. I don't think our list is perfect. And like going forward, we can make it better. Um, so I think that my first time playing it is probably my least favorite time playing it just because it felt like so inconsistent. I was so bad at playing it compared to how much I learned from playing it. Uh, and I don't know, it's just crazy. So that was definitely my least favorite time playing it. And then I actually think my favorite time playing it was probably the POG Championships. Um, I really like item lock. I like decks that don't allow the opponent to play. And taking my favorite deck, Pikaram, and adding Vika Volts to it, uh, genius inclusion by Bradner and the gang, was just so much fun. Like, I was feeling super washed. Uh, just came off losing in the Players' Cup, but no one knew that at the time, unless you put two and two together. And then uh, I got to, like, item lock my opponents all day, and it was a good, good feeling. So I think that was probably my favorite time, just because I could abuse item lock in one of my favorite decks. Yeah, one of my favorite types of Pikaram to play actually is the type that um the type that really um denies the opponent, like just plays a lot of uh a lot of uh reset stamp, a lot of paralysis with Choo Choo and um and like the 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 crazy electro power version was fun too, but like I feel like the the more stally version is more skill skill intensive, which I like. I also wanted to add, I forgot about this when uh, when Azul was speaking, when Azul and the gang played their version of Pikaram to Berlin, my f friend group thought that that deck was actually just so bad. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I talked to Azul about this in Connecticut. Uh, I think we were all sitting down at a table, I was like playing Old Format versus Pram, I'm like, bro, why was your Berlin list so bad? Just no Coco, <laughs> no Zerora, and he had an excuse for everything, but I just remember like looking at that list and being like, nah, this is not it. <laughs> do you want to defend your list a little bit i mean we just tested the mirror a lot and we were just like coco doesn't um and actually the one mirror match i lost to he didn't play coco gx either um we were like uh zero Ward basically doesn't do anything except take up a bench space um which is like not good when you would want like a second jirachi or something down or you let loose again um or something like it's okay attacker but like it's really not that great um and then we were just like, if you just go, you know, Zapdos, Zapdos, or Zapdos, Pikaram, Zapdos, um, like the combos like that in the prize trade, depending on the matchup. And we were like, we we were pretty confident that the Zoro Rock matchup was just favorable too. Like, um, and I I beat a ton of Zoro Rocks at that event as well. And it was like we just tested the mirror a lot, and we we're like, uh, Zerora is just a bench space um, most of the time, and then uh, Coco GX doesn't do anything. Because uh, if they just KO your Coco GX, GX after, like, you just split your energy on your Pikaroms, and then you can just E-switch them around for the tag ball. If they don't KO it, then it just doesn't actually do anything. Um, it was just, I don't know, it just, like, they, they felt irrelevant in our testing. And I was super confident um, in that event as well with the list. Like, um, I lost my winning in to top eight, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, once I started playing with it in the event, it just, it just felt so good. I don't know, like, our testing just, like, led to the list the way it was, and then... Um, I mean, I don't regret playing it at all, for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a fun list. I'd never heard of it. Yeah, I remember talking to you about it after like I voiced that opinion, and it made a little bit more sense than some of our initial thoughts. So, yeah, definitely don't think it was as bad as I did at the time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jacob, for coming on, as always. We're going to go yeah, ahead and slide into the next guest. Me. No problem, my guy. Have a good one. You too. All right, so the next guy we're going to join in got robbed of being first. So we're going to go ahead and bring him in. It's the TCG dude. How are you doing, my guy? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello? What's up? Um, 
Logan from uh, Victoria, BC, Canada. Awesome. Nice to have you on, Logan. What is your topic and your opinion on that topic? Um, yes, I was just wondering what you guys think of like the new um, Rusted Sword card. I just think um, I just think that it's super broken, and they shouldn't have printed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rusted Sword and it's broken as well. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, it's a very strong card, right? Because we've had cards like similar where it's just like plus damage, but they've been usually a little bit more universal. You know, Muscle Band, uh, Silver Bangle had like very good. I I really liked uh, Silver Bangle specifically. I thought that was a very good card for just plus damage in the format that it was in. Um, Choice Band. Uh, one of the more recent ones, Choice Band was played in so many decks. There's so many Choice Bands when that was being played. Uh, so this one, yeah, obviously limited to Zation, which feels a little bit weird. So it and it feels unnecessary for Zation or even the Zamazenta card. That's like what is it plus 70 HP or something? Like that's just yeah, like a lot of a lot of stats to add to a Pokemon for either card. Um, and it's limited to just the card. One of the things I've been like kind of changed my mindset on like how I think about. Um, you know, cards that are coming out and stuff, like, obviously, I have the opinion that ADP should be banned, but um, I we have to kind of, like, almost, like, hope that they have a plan for why they're printing cards the way they are, because none of us really have control over or making it change or something. So we don't know everything else that's coming out in the set around those that card. Um, and maybe their their idea is once rotation hits, they want Zation to be able to keep up with VMAXs or hitting at least a, a certain number, and that's why they're giving it to it. With ADP and everything, it seems like it could be... <laughs> A lot. Um, I mean, you know, you can hit. We were talking like with with Berserkers, you can hit up to like, you know, three twenty. Um, but that's like a lot of stuff you'd have to pull off. I don't think that's like actually gonna happen. Like the deck would be too clunky. Like it won't consistently happen game to game. You know, you could have that one game where you one hit KO a Senna Scorch with a Zation and draw four prize cards, but it's not gonna happen consistently. I don't think. I, and I don't think you know the numbers besides that actually help out the card too much. I mean, the one like obvious matchup is luke metal versus adp zation all of a sudden is you have your rusty sword and you just you get through their gx attack right but we don't know everything else that's coming out in the set um and maybe there's going to be enough other good cards where you know we see a lot of this stuff like the luke metals and the picaramas just become irrelevant decks but maybe we see four to five new decks come out of this new set right so um holding out hope that uh some other really strong cards come out alongside the the sword and the shield yeah so i think that the the shield's pretty good, uh, but it's a passive tool, and I'm kind of against those on principle. But the the sword itself, I think it's actually it's kind of like it feels like a bait almost. So we see it, and we're like, "What have they done? Like, oh, these people hate us. Like, they're doing this on purpose. Like, what did we commit in the past life to do this?" But honestly, it feels fine because I don't think ADP gets much usage out of it outside of tag teams, and we already know they're just trying to bully tag teams out of the format anyway. So if we exclude that, we go to like it actually kind of incentivizes decks playing without ADP because it gives you the damage bonus already without having to use a GX attack. And so a straightforward Zation deck is more likely. Like, you know, you could make up the damage with something like Orbeetle or the Berserkers, things like that, and you can actually reach. Now, like, does Zation need to be able to one-shot those Pokemon? I don't know. But, like, is that, is that okay? Don't know. But at least it incentivizes, I guess, moving away from the very standard um, archetypicalization decks that we have at the moment. Yeah, I agree with Henry. Uh, from an initial look at it, uh, it lo- it seemed pretty busted. It made a little Twitter view video that enhanced that, just kind of like waking up and being like, oh, this this card's kind of dumb. But I mean, as time goes on, I think that uh, both Henry and Azul are right. It might not be as good as people make it out to be. You can see this with a lot of cards that come out. 
um, whether it's a, a tool, an item, or whatever, like Turbo Patch. So I I agree with uh, Azul. I think things get printed for a reason, and you know they're probably just trying to force tag teams out. Uh, of course, the Lucario Metalization matchup, the Picaron matchup, are matchups that can now be swung by that tool, but I think everything gets printed for a reason. Um, so... We'll just have to find out and see. I think for now it's a card to be afraid of, but once it comes out, you know, maybe it's not as bad as people think. So with that, Logan, thanks for coming on. It's glad, good to have you, and uh, hopefully that answered some of your questions on the Rusted Sword. Awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem. Good talking to you guys. Have a good night. Gotta hope at least. Hopefully they don't come out with a stadium <laughs> that says you can have like two rusted sword on your station or something. Oh god, bro. <laughs> Yo, Genesect rotated, right? Thank god. All right, I, that's not what that does, but you know, you get the concept. Maybe we get some guy yeah. that's like double tools. You be right. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and drag in my boy Ricky, who's on the call last time. Brought some really spicy topics. This time he has another good one. So I'm gonna go ahead and let him introduce himself. Yo, what's going on? What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey guys, um, my name is Ricky. Uh, I come from Vancouver, and my question is a two-parter. Um, so my question would just be: uh, Have you guys played against uh, any people that are considered less well-known in the community that you were like really impressed with um, after you played them? And then my second part of the question would just be: Like, do you remember a specific play that they made that made you impressed by them? Or it could just be a play by anyone else that you recall that you were really impressed by. Wanted to just hear your thoughts. Go ahead and start with Azul, and then same same order. All right, uh, man. That's why I just play so much Pokemon. It's just like so, like all blurs together. Um, I mean, I've been playing against a lot of like I've been playing a lot of online tournaments. So I've been playing against a lot of you know very solid players that I've like never played against uh, before or even heard about. Um, and you know, it's like. Uh, I mean, they like it just like, you know, I like know what play I think they should make and then they make it. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. And then, you know, um, and then sometimes they, you know, they, they do like the next level thing where they, you know, um, where I was like, I, I know that I don't want them to do that. And then they do that. And I'm like, I guess I'm impressed. I mean, I can't like think of anyone off the top of my head because, yeah, I just play so much Pokemon. I like all blurs together at some point for me. But yeah, but like I've just a lot recently, like I've seen just like solid play from a lot of people. Um, and in general, because I just play, I've been playing in so many of these uh, online tournaments, and a lot of them are like uh, fairly international. Like it's like there's a lot of people from a lot of different places in the world playing in these tournaments. So it's really cool to play in all those and play against all the solid players from all around the world. But yeah, no one, I can't pick anybody off the top of my head because it's just there's it all just blurs together for me. Uh, yeah, I can't. Go ahead. I can't pick anyone. Um, I think uh, you know I agree with Azul. Um, everyone, every ADP I play against on ladder is really good at using more while. Um, <laughs> um, Shout out Kai. So uh, I guess Kai Quim. What's his name, Azul? Kai Quim. Hmm? What's what's uh, the person in your chat's name? Kai Quim. Kai Quim. The guy that. Oh, Kai Quim. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out that guy. He's really good. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shout out all the the TCG ADP players. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything, anyone specifically, but there's, there's always is, and often you see, you know, uh, I think the thing is, as well, is that people that do this probably won't stay unknown for too long, uh, as well, so if you play against them early on, then, you know, probably a year down the track, they're gonna have won something, uh, or done pretty well, um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely happened fairly frequently, though. I think, uh, I think Ricky's 
question was like in general with in-person events too. So that's what I'm going to answer mine off of. And I haven't like played a ton of online tournaments, just a few, yo, thanks cash for the raid. So for people that I think are like slept on, um, uh, in general from my area specifically, uh, he kind of bounces around my area in, I believe the St. Louis area. I definitely have to say my friend, uh, Mustafa Toba, he is consistently like coming up with good ideas at regionals. Uh, when he play tests with us, I'm always surprised by some of the plays that he makes. I definitely feel like he's like someone that's way less well known. Uh, that's definitely underrated. And then as for like, I mean, these are people that are kind of known already. I think Michael Bergerac is like one of the most slept on players. Um, in current time, I would have said Hunter Butler as well, but he recently won a regional, so I think he's a he's, <laughs> I think he's pretty known now. And then uh, someone that I was really impressed by when playing in Madison 2019 last year, I played against a player named Patrick uh, Littleson, who I believe has been in the game for a while. And I was playing Pika versus Zorark, Slow King, I think I want to say. And there were some plays, nothing specific, that I was just really impressed by. And uh, he actually beat me quite handedly. And I just think that's someone that's definitely like. A little underrated so if you hit any of those names uh definitely stay on the lookout and yeah, we've got quite a memory there janks <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know patrick patrick's yeah patrick's good big improvement since like the first time i uh i uh i played against him met him absolutely I, and i mean it's really cool with the online uh era too it doesn't even have to be the in-person uh timing but like it's just brought out so many people that i've I mean, I can't name specifics. I don't pay super close attention, but like the people that are winning events are not the same people that were dominating in-person events. And you could say that this is just because people uh, that were, you know, you could consider the top weren't playing as much, but there are a lot of newer names that I'm seeing in some of these tournaments. And it's really cool to like see people get some recognition for stuff, uh, whether it's a deck they made or just a, a you know, well-played or whatever. So I think some of these streams are really good at highlighting that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, and I, I actually do have a specific example I remembered. It wasn't against someone completely unknown, against uh, Celio's Network, uh, our favorite, one of our favorite content creators, I can't say that. Uh, but we had uh, a game, I was playing Zoroark, Jugong, I was, and Naganadel, like, fans list, and I was drawing pretty, pretty slowly. But uh, he used Miltank to heal his board rather than just playing aggressive. Uh, which, because the only win con for me was Stinger, uh, so rather than just like I guess kind of rolling over me, he was careful and removed the Jugong damage with Mill Tank. So I was like, yeah, okay, I lose now. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's just really cool. There's tons of new decks. I mean the frequency that tournaments are run, people can try new stuff all the time. But you know, Ricky, thanks for an amazing topic. Always bringing on the good ones, and uh, hope to see you in the next episode. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. See you, Ricky. Have a good one. All right. So, unfortunately, we missed this guy last week, but he is now back. We got the guy with two hats. What's going on, Alex? What's the topic? So, I have something that I am very passionate about, and that is cards that get banned. I never agree with cards that get banned because I like unfair, obnoxious. Unfun to play against cards like Lusamine, Delinquent, Hexmaniac, Getsus. I like all of that stuff. But these in particular, I'm sorry, but these felt particularly harsh. Like these ladies forbanded expanded, to be specific. How so? Explain. Okay, so my explanation. The biggest one for me, actually, was Sableye. 
Table has been around for, yeesh, was it, oh, no, I think it was 2012 it came out around then, if I'm not mistaken, and Dark Explorers, and it's been really good. It was a healthy card in Dark Ride decks because it got you back your Dark Patches and let you do what you wanted, and then it became a, kind of a control deck, but a fairly balanced control deck because sure it had access to puzzle times eventually, but it also got balanced out by the fact that you can get gets out of stuff, you can get end out of stuff, red card. It was natural hand disruption in the game. So that already balanced it out enough. And then just pure item lock came out as it is. The fact that these cards came into your hand meant that they could be easily disrupted as well. So also take note of that, like with red card, like I said before. But natural item lock came out. It's a basic Pokemon. So eventually basic basic locking attack, basic locking Pokemon, blah, sorry, words, just came out like Vileplume. And just it felt the most balanced out of all of the control cards that's my that's my first one orangaroo i understand people have wanted to get this card banned for yeesh i don't know how long yeesh, i don't know it's been like forever but i think it was great for control and against control i know control is not fun to play against believe me i know as the player who loves to play control and the player who's played against it yet okay i have Okay, I have a slight confession though. I do like playing against any type of deck. I have a problem. But long story short, I understand that. But the thing is, it's healthy for control decks to exist in a format. It's healthy for them to be good, in fact. They can even be really good. We saw that with Pidgeotto Control, how great it was. We even saw the legend himself, the Justin Bokari, be able to defeat Control with Picaram, which should have been an unfavorable matchup. Shout out to him for being an absolute legend, I would also like to add. So it's okay for control to be good at. Control has been great. So in my opinion, you're just getting rid of a possible archetype that yes, is not fun to play against, but should be a natural part of the game. And honestly, I understand Shaman EX, it quote unquote unlocks some toxic strategies and has so for the past, I don't know how many years, but with the new turn one rule change that you can't play supporter, I found it more important. Yes, we have the Dene, yes, we have Crobat, but with the speed of de how decks aren't expanded, it just seems like every deck should have access to maybe one team. Maybe they could have limited, maybe they could have errated it to say you could only use one one setup per turn. I was about to call I was, I was about to call it dark asset. <laughs> <laughs> so to summarize, Oranguru in Sableye shouldn't have been banned because uh control archetypes are healthy for the game. Alright, as well thoughts. Um, I think to an extent, um but I I mean if you just look at Collinsville, like that was kind of ridiculous. Uh <laughs> I mean, I had fun with my uh, Eco Arm Doll Stall deck, but like, I don't think I should have been able to play that deck. And I think, I think it's, I think you should have to work harder to make control and stall work. Um, in in formats, like I think actually the perfect like, the perfect like, power level of a control deck, um, unless you get really really creative, and then maybe it only works for one event, is like Sylveon. Like I felt like Sylveon GX was like a super strong deck as far as control decks go, but it was like super beatable and you could easily tech against it too um but you could beat the text too like i don't know it felt like it was the proper power level of a control deck and it, without getting too creative sylveon jx just felt just like it, it was like the perfect power level of a of a constant control deck in a format um but i think what we saw at collinsville was definitely way too much um and too easy and too easily played um and too powerful like control decks and stall decks shouldn't be that powerful um there should be like uh you should have to work harder to make them work. They, the The norm of the game should be drawing six prize cards, right? And that should be easy to do. 
like easy to play a deck that does that. Um, and I think that's they're they're finally starting to head in that direction. Maybe with these bands, like, oh wait, we don't want these kind of decks to exist, and I don't think they should exist. I mean, I'm fine, you know, when Sander wins the next regional with whatever control deck he comes up with. But, you know, he works very hard to make his control decks work in metas where people seemingly think they should be impossible to work. And I think that's when those kind of decks should win, is when you have to work, you have to go that extra mile to, to make them work. Um, because it, part of the game has to be to be fun. Like, if no one has fun playing the game, no one's going to play the game, right? But we want the game to grow and we want the game to exist. So if we go into, you know, the next expanded regionals and half the decks are doll stall, no one's going to have fun. <laughs> like, those kind of decks just shouldn't be able to be played at that power level, at that like um, popularity. Shout yeah, out to that time I, I randomly brought a control deck when everybody thought control was dead right after Lucimine got banned. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree with Zul. Uh, I think that control decks should be the decks teching for other decks rather than like decks innately having to tech to beat them. So you kind of like have to put an effort to beat decks and then. Obviously, like you know, if people could just adjust the tech for it at that time, but a control deck should identify specific weaknesses in the format or in the like index things like that and really exploit them. And that's hard to do, right? Like Sander does it every time, but it's difficult. And obviously, that's what you want to do with every every time you build a deck, but specifically with control. And I think these infinite loop like recursion cards like enable such strong baseline strategies that they just beat so many decks just automatically, which I think as an archetype control kind of shouldn't. Um, so I know you like to fancy yourself a bit of a super villain, Alex, but, uh, <laughs> I think, it, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think these bands are fine. Uh, we'll have to see if Bundleby gets the same treatment or if it keeps getting exploited, but especially with dolls and like just infinitely having, uh, no prize walls is a little bit on the, uh, uninteractive side. I would like to add something though. What I've generally seen a pattern in throughout the game is that eventually the format fixes itself. Azul and his whole hashtag DDG win team played Zero Toad for yeesh, like three months straight. And I'll never forget, I think I forgot where I was. I think I was in the hospital and I saw Jimmy playing in the finals with the Zero Toad deck, and I was like, yo, this is so cool. But when right when they banned Lusamine, that is when Picaron came out. And Picaron was kind of, in my opinion, the beginning of the end for control decks, for the most part. Because, honestly, those basic, those basic energy-heavy decks were just not great for Zorotoad to deal with. Not counting Rayquaza. If, if Turbo Dark existed when Zorotoad was really good, it would, it would have just gotten slapped in. That, I've, I promise you, I have actually experimented with that. <laughs> I have too much time with that. So I, I found that control also goes through phases where it's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. And also, I would like to know that when Surge was legal, I would also like to argue that Surge was a healthy card because it wasn't just used in control decks. It was used in non-control decks to help give it a chance against decks that it normally wouldn't have a chance against. A great example of this is Zoro Garb it, at the Portland... 29 was that 2019 yeah it was 2019 regional we saw the ian rob the absolute legend himself take down control in top four and just be able to beat just be able to beat decks similarly i think michael katron was able to even get top he was able to get top 16 at the richmond regional the weekend before and was even able to take down some control decks just because you had access to hand disruption and stuff like Lieutenant Surge, and you can use Iris maybe once or twice and be able to take down tag teams. After the banning of Lieutenant Surge, Zoro had a far harder time being able to deal with those type of decks. Yeah, so, uh, 
Ian beating Control in top four, I'm pretty sure was a thrown game on accident. So oh. I, I don't think I don't think that counts. Uh, I had it was a, a good matchup for Ian yeah, though. I like, had a thought yeah. process, and now I don't know where it went. Um, oh the the zero to okay. So my stance on Control, I love. I'm not gonna do too much. I love the Sander point. I think that's really good. Uh, I think Control should exploit weaknesses in the format, like you guys said. So definitely agree with that. Um, I'm no stranger to playing control decks, but the thing that we played in Collinsville should never ever be legal again, or anything like it. Uh, oh yeah! Thank God. And then um, <laughs> the Zoro Toad. I remember. I remember talking or trying the Zoro Toad deck after Lusamine, and I felt that Lusamine helped it so much. Like it just didn't do enough damage or anything without the Lusamine. And that's when people started playing, like, Zorotoad lasers and testing stuff like that to increase the damage. And it was the Lusamine that allowed you to lock plus use a fossil and then use the broken supporters from Lusamine. Because you couldn't break lock going to Guru, then you would just be a completely different deck. So, um, I don't, I don't, kind of want to end on that. Um, I'm going to give Azul the last say, but that'll be that for that topic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think... You have to be careful with stuff like Surge, and that's why they, like, they initially they just banned Jesse James and and let loose like immediately, right? When they were um, uh, was about to become expanded, only, or when Jesse James didn't even make its way into expanded ever, right? It was never allowed. Um, oh yeah, no, I remember because, got banned like, right away. I think Surge would be because you'd have to ban so many other cards around Surge, or you could just ban Surge, right? Like because you have to ban. I mean, they did ban Miss Magus, but like stuff like Magneton would have to go. Anything that kind of gives up prize cards would have to go. They got rid of Jesse James immediately because. That with anything that gives a prize, cards would be too good because uh, there's so much access to your deck and how aggressive you can be with your deck and expand it. So you it's either you ban something like Surge or you ban a bunch of cards around Surge because um, they just know it's too powerful and it probably would be right. And we could sit through two regionals. They could be like, "Oh, right, we're not going to ban it," and then we could sit through two regionals where some deck dominates both regionals. Um, and I think even Chip mentioned this about Trevnor. He thought Trevnor would get banned or something from Trevnor would get banned after Charlotte. And I think I agree. Like they would have let Trevnor go another event for sure. It would have been, you know, seven out of the top eight, and then they would have banned it, <laughs> banned Trevnor, banned Melodic, whatever, right? Um, so, yeah, it, like, it's it definitely would just be a, a problem. It's 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 like it's too powerful with how much access you have in expanded cards like Surge, um, or even like any kind of like stuff like Let Loose, stuff like Jesse James. That's why that's why they are banned. One hundred percent. Let Loose was. Oh my goodness, I have such bad flashbacks <laughs> of Let Loose was power plant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So Alex, thanks as always for coming on. Glad to have you back on. We're gonna go ahead and to move into one of your favorite people. So uh, thanks for coming on as always, my guy. Thank you, Will. Thanks, Alex. Have a good one, my guy. Thanks, guys. All right. So our next caller is a new person on the show. I'm gonna go ahead and let him introduce himself. What's your name and where you're calling from? Uh, hey, what's up, guys? This is Chip, and I'm calling from North Carolina. I uh, just want to say. Fan of the podcast. I love seeing what you guys do over here, and I love seeing people put out good Pokemon content. Thank you, Chip. It means a ton. What is your hot topic for today? I think uh, just from seeing the text channel, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, so for anyone who might not be aware, um, Tristan Lackey, who was the top-ranked player in North America and also in the world coming out of the Players' Cup qualifiers, uh, posted today on Twitter that he was disqualified for the tournament. And it's a really big, long post. Um, I'm just going to try to explain it briefly to give context to anyone who might not be totally aware, but you should definitely go read his tweet longer uh, on his Twitter. But effectively, you know, he made his PTCGO account with his dad 
in 2011 when it came out and he was like 13 years old i think is what his post said so you know he's a young kid makes an account with his dad you know it's the account that they've always used together um you know then there's never been a rank ladder no big issues anything like that but then now we have these players cup tournaments he participates in it he gets first place and then goes to register oh this ptcgo account is connected to his dad's pop id not his pop id and so because of that the account he tweeted uh, excuse me the account he played on was not the account that is linked to his pop id he is not going to be able to play in the Players' Cup tournament. So I just kind of wanted to get your guys' opinions on the matter. It's definitely kind of a weird situation. I mean, sharing accounts is against TOS technically, but, you know, whenever it's a kid's game, there's going to be a lot of situations like this where kids are sharing accounts with their parents, and then, you know, as they age up, continue to play the game, um, you know, we'll see things like this happening. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts and opinions. Absolutely. Thank you, Azul, or, uh, Chip, for the topic. I'm going to go ahead and start with Azul. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of ridiculous that he isn't able to play. Like, it's a very unique, not a unique situation, but it's like a unique, like, when he comes to them with it, um, it seems pretty straightforward that, like, there's no malicious intent or anything like that at all. He's the player, right? And he's, like, done well in real-life events. Um, like, it's not like I mean, anyone could play on anyone's account, right? That's like another thing. It's like, um, so anyone could be like cheating or, you know, playing with their friends while they play their games. But like that, none of that's regulated, right? And it's like, um, I think it's like, it's very straightforward like that, uh, you know, he's played his games. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just kind of like un unfortunate that it's, it's you know, the account is connected that way, but it seems like it should be straightforward enough where they should be able to be like, okay, you know, they don't want to, you know, let anyone, but this should be a pretty like, I don't know, obvious scenario that it can be very like fixed by and just allow him to play in the players cup. Like, I don't think it's, it should be that big of a deal. I don't think, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you'd be able to find anyone who says he shouldn't be able to play in the players cup besides maybe someone who is, you know, behind the rules on, uh, from Pokemon. But, um, I think he should definitely be allowed to play. I think it's ridiculous if he's not allowed to play and, and I hope he is allowed to play in the, uh, in the players cup. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it's something that could probably be, easily avoided by both player and tpci well maybe not avoided by tpci but it's something that can be avoided except in this scenario when you know it's the account again it's his dad's it's like it just feels yeah again so silly to kind of not just allow it um like this is where they draw the line in the sand is really kind of i guess odd um obviously you know they have to try and prevent i guess account sharing as best they can but i think it more speaks to the communication because i mean we'll see how it gets resolved but there's always been a little bit of poor communication when it comes to this and uh, other rules surrounding Players' Cup, like the first Players' Cup in general, um, even just other things, they're always a little bit slow on communication. Like, I know for myself, I still don't have my actual, like, the TCGO account I use linked to my pop ID because they just never got back to me by email. Um, and so, you know, if I want to play, I have to use the account with, like, no cards and it's just, like, a bunch of things. It feels like a lot of these things, they say that they can fix, but then, you know, I guess don't even end up following up. So I think, again, it mainly comes down to communication. Um, sad for Tristan, I hope it does get resolved. Uh, yeah, I read Tristan's post before hopping on the cast. It kind of just showed up on my feed when I was um, making the post for announcing tonight's episode. It's really sad. Um, 
it's devastating that it happened. I remember seeing Tristan's post about being number one, and it was a really cool thing to see that uh, Tristan had gone so far, became first seed, and I think Henry and Azul hit on the top of the head the disconnect between um, uh, T Pokemon Company, TPCI, and the players is just not there, or it's just there. Like there is nothing. It doesn't seem like there's been a huge effort to reach out or uh, reach out. It seemed like the players' podcast uh, that they were doing for a while, it could have been interesting, but then it ended up just being like recapping the players' cup for the week for the, all the games. Um, so I, I mean, it's it sucks. I think that we need some more communication on stuff like this. I know that I follow the Fortnite community a little bit. I know good meme, but they recently made the effort to take their competitive side super seriously and like their twitter is now run by i don't know whatever they're basically just taking an active role in communicating with the community and i think that would be something amazing if we could see that happen for pokemon um just get feel like we get some of our stuff heard and then in terms of tristan find a resolve to something that's as you know sad as that i don't think there was any malintent so i, I definitely hope it gets resolved for tristan chip what are your thoughts on this situation yeah, I mean, I definitely just think it's really unfortunate. And I just think that Pokemon really should communicate better and do better in these situations. If you look at his post as well, he has like screenshots of his communication with the Pokemon company and stuff. And it all just seems like very bot responses. And if it is people, it's very like cut and paste, you know, um, just going by the book kind of responses. Like, have you done this to check this pop ID and logged into this email and all this stuff? and um, I mean, especially like there's a lot on the line for this tournament as well. Like top four is getting, you know, a, something that's worth, you know, three to five thousand dollars in paid travel to an international championship at some point. Like that's a lot on the line. And um, I think a lot of the issue also comes back to the fact that PTCGO was never meant to be like a competitive client. Right. It was just kind of like a for fun thing that I think was like almost like an extension of Pokemon League, to be honest. And now they're trying to, you know, push the Players' Cup. I think the Players' Cups are great. I love the fact that like we get to compete for something like this at home. It's something that we've wanted for a long time, but they're just having to like work backwards to make it happen, you know, and that's where we're running into like who knows on the back end how difficult it truly is to like fix a pop id that's been registered to one ptcgo account and moving it to another account like maybe it is something that's really difficult because of how it was coded you know 10 years ago um but i don't know i, I just think like and like the worst part of it all too i think like tristan got disqualified not by pokemon but by arcanine labs like that's the response came from them was like you're not going to be able to play in this tournament uh because it's like the wrong pop id it doesn't work and it's like how it is at minimum right like it feels like pokemon should have communicated that to him um but realistically what should have happened is they should have worked through it with him either allowed him to play on the account that is linked to his pop id link this account to his pop id like something should have happened a resolution should have been found and you know with the tournament coming up this weekend i'm and the pace at which pokemon moves i'm not sure a resolution is going to be reached yeah absolutely and i i think it's like I said earlier, I think it's really sad, and I hope that stuff gets better for him. Uh, while we're on this topic, though, with PCGO, Azul, one of the biggest advocates, or, well, not advocates, but players of the PCGO client itself, what are some things, I know that people have talked about ranked ladders, they've talked about, you know, XYZ, what do you think is the correct move from Pokemon, like, going forward? And in, in, like, a ideal situation for the community, what do you want to see happen with 
a PDCGO remake or PDCGO itself? Uh, I mean, like, ideally, and the only thing that's going to keep it all around online, they have to come out with a new client. I think that's the only thing they, uh, or, like, got to get a bigger new team behind what is running PTCGO, because, I mean, it just won't last in its current state. Like, um, and it, like, sucks when you, like, play Hearthstone or you play uh, MTG Arena and you see <laughs> how much better it is. Um, and there's so many little things, and they've done, like, some of them, but they don't do enough uh, quickly enough. Even just like folders for there's so many things. There's so many things I could come up with that would be great to have on PDCGO, but I think a new client is like ideally just a new client just would have to be it. And um, I mean, I have, I have no idea. I'd love it if they would just like tell us if they like are thinking about it or if it's like a definite no. That'd be great to know, but I doubt we'll ever hear anything until something actually comes out. Yeah, absolutely. And Chip, obviously, you yourself are another big streamer. Do you have any thoughts on uh, that topic? I mean, I, I think that for the online game to last, like, at minimum, PTCGO needs to add a ranked ladder. Like, I noticed this, too, whenever I've, like, streamed the game and stuff. Like, um, you know, it's really difficult. I, I think, like, good content is really important for a game to thrive. Like, you know, you need to have good content creators and people, you know, promoting your game effectively. Um, and right now, there's, like, only a handful of people that are really able to do it effectively in high numbers that, you know, are going to be averaging that, you know, few hundred viewers. Um, you know, I've streamed not the most consistently, but pretty on and off, you know, for the last few years. Um, and like, I've gone through waves, like during the players cup, my average numbers were great. Like I actually completed my path to partner during the first players cup because people were interested in watching the content. They were interested in, you know, seeing how my tournaments went, seeing how deep I could go, seeing how many, um, you know, watching, like refreshing the thing to climb up the ladder on, uh, on the, uh, the leaderboards on, on, uh, the internet and all that. Um, so I completed the path to partner, all that stuff. I apply for partner, my players cup run ends, my stream numbers start to drop and I don't get Twitch partner because, I don't have that threshold of 75 viewers anymore because people are less interested in, you know, sticking around for something. I think something like a ranked ladder would just really, you know, just, it's just great for the game. People are more interested in it. Um, so, I mean, I agree. I, I, I'm with Azul as well. Like I would be totally down for just a re-released, you know, like brand new PTCGO. They market it like a new game. Um, I mean, and I think it has potential to be like one of the top games, uh, you know, that is played like on Twitch, on YouTube, whatever. Like I would like it's the type of thing like I would not be surprised to like just see people playing it on their phone out and about like if they like it has that potential because it's the biggest media franchise in the world. But it's just uh, not something that I think is realistic or is likely to happen. Absolutely. I want to give uh, Henry a chance to speak on that. But what you just said, Chip, is incredible. Like. I talked about this with Azul in a Discord call like way a while ago, but with the boom in Pokemon right now that's been happening, I think that you're like spot on. Uh, remarketing the game, pushing a new client could be huge for not only the game, the community, everything about it. And yeah, I think that they could take some different actions to uh, help that. Henry, your thoughts? Yeah, like they could push it so much. Like look at the boom at the moment, like the prices of cards, like, you know, actual like huge content creators getting into pokemon um you know not so much playing but even just opening the cards is like good good publicity and uh they really should take advantage of it and hopefully we can reap some of the rewards rather than just i guess uh pure merchandise sales but i think um 
obviously we need uh updated client uh, rank ladder would give something like and works for rank ladder is such like a I don't know if it's strictly like a like a, one of those like dopamine uh, loops, but it's like you actually have like you're playing the game and you're not just doing it to play the game. You're doing it because you like have a goal or you know you have like you you want to reach a certain rank or you win, and it gives it creates like meaning, I guess, to playing the game beyond just doing it. Um, and that re- also like really um, would remedy the kind of stale formats that we have because even though you like your stale format, you might not have a deck you can build. You might be kind of bored of it you still have a goal and you still have something you want to do. And I think that would, as you said, you know, really uh, fix the kind of lull in viewership and interest that uh, the game kind of goes through. A hundred percent. Yeah. All, all amazing facts. I would hope that um, a representative or someone that has a place of power, you know, sees this part if they watch stuff like this, because I feel like they could probably learn a lot from this section, but Chip, thank you. Amazing topic, amazing branch off topic. Thank you so much for coming on. And if you guys aren't already, go give a follow to Trainer Chip on everything. Uh, Great guy. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you, Chip. Thanks, Chip. All right, we're going to go ahead and get in to our next caller. Uh, What's your name and where you're calling from? Hey, guys. Um, My name's Evan. I'm calling from Chillac, British Columbia, Canada. And uh, a bit of a lighthearted topic here. Um, with uh, With the new Vivid Voltage set coming out in the next week or so, um what are your guys' favorite amazing rares uh in this set and in terms of playability and whatnot do you think that perhaps like Vico or Jirachi will see a lot of play in this upcoming format same order oh yeah uh i mean Jirachi seems super cool definitely gonna give it a shot it gives us the the thing that Jirachi's been missing, which is a constant pivot through U-turn board on the Amazing Rare Jirachi, um, not quite as. I mean, in situations where you want an energy instead of a trainer card, I mean, it's better than Stellar Wish, I guess, right? So, I mean, it'd be cool to see. Um, it it kind of feels underwhelming now that once I once I like I mentioned earlier, the Celebi and the uh, Manaphy, I think it is. I was super excited for those because they do the same thing, but they see five and six cards off the top of your deck, and you can get Pokemon and energy. But Jirachi for sure. I I actually just want to kind of try and make the Yvetal work because it just KOs something, which is uh, it does cost five energy. But um, I want to give the the Yvetal a shot for sure because if you can just like close out the game and just be like, all right, Yvetal somehow get five energy on it. I'm not sure how we're gonna do it yet, but uh, knock out a V Max or something, then the game's just over. Or even twice on two V Maxes or whatever could be uh, could be pretty cool for sure. Yeah, I like the Yvetal. It's for the attack is cool. I think it's the coolest of the attacks. Uh, Jirachi is obviously the most playable from the get-go, but I don't even know if that'll see that much play. Um, I mean, they all look amazing. Like, outside of a gameplay point, they look really good. Like, I think they all have texture on the cards, right? And the art is fantastic. Um, like, the Rayquaza just, like, coming out of some rainbow cloud is very cool, kind of screaming towards you. We had Isaiah on the podcast last week insisting it was good. Um, but I think he read the card a little bit wrong. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, in Expanded, actually, Rayquaza could see play with Ho-Oh and Ninja Boy, potentially. Um, you flip heads with Ho-Oh, you Ninja Boy, you attach an energy, you're doing 320. It's not bad. Uh, it's probably one of the more playable versions of the attacks. Uh, yeah, other than that, I don't think uh, I don't think they're totally playable, but they're, they're really cool, and Jirashi may sneak into a couple of decks as a pivot. 
Yeah, same same stuff as the other guys. Uh, I I do like the evil talk quite a bit. In a hypothetical world, if like a triple rainbow or support for them got printed, where they all become playable suddenly, I think the Raikou is pretty cool. Shaman getting banned kind of hurts in an expanded for sure. Uh, I think the Raikou is definitely better in expanded than it is in standard. Um, there's uh, I think it's Zacian that does like 250 or something to a V Max, which assuming we got support for it, that's really good one prizer to just have. You can play four of them, so you know potentially shifting back into a single prize like attacker. Uh, so I think that's really cool. But yeah, the the limiting factor that we've touched on is is definitely the attack costs. Um, would not mind having all of them PSA 10s and graded and just like on display. I think that'd be pretty, pretty sick. They all look really cool. So thanks, Evan, for coming on. Uh, thanks for the topic. And we're going to go ahead and move into uh, some more discussion. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. You have a good yeah, one. Yeah, thanks. Easy. Whoops, did not mean to cut him off there on accident. So uh, we're coming to the end of the show. We're going to try and go the next 12 minutes get to that hour 30 mark. If anyone in the chat has any questions that they either, A, want to post in chat that you don't have to come into the live call or come into the live call, feel free to do so. Uh, we'll get you in priority if you come into the live call, but there's a question in the chat. Uh, would love to hear your opinions on online events don't mean as much as IRL events, less legitimate. Okay, uh, so then... Yeah, start with Azul, go backwards. Um It's like a it's like a weird one. I mean obviously like the, the like the weeklies are like smaller, right? But once you get into like the invitationals and the players cup, um like what what are we comparing them to? Because if you take like the players cup compared to um and I'm super glad that it was won in the way it was with the um <clears throat> was it Burris and um Miller. Uh yeah winning the way they did with the deck that they did because it's that's like that kind of stuff like was like people going super try hard coming with a super cool deck and the way it worked in the meta that they expected and then working but people do it real life events too um when you get to that those level events like they're they're just as big and just as competitive if not more especially than like local regional events you know and people make a big deal when someone wins you know a regional uh in general and especially in the current era um these events are bigger like because of the, the international competition of them, they're bigger um, than almost on a, like, a regional scale event. And obviously, like the weeklies are like, they're not quite on the same level, right? The, but but they're just way smaller events, right? And I think one of the main things that people kind of drive to is that um, uh, with this is like, not all the best players in the world play, right? But um, the people who are taking these events seriously now and playing in them constantly are going to be some of the better players when real life events do come back. They will be the better players and i'm sure you know you know everyone else who was you know in the top 16s and top 22s and all that stuff are still going to be great players but there's going to be a higher level of competition for sure because they're not they're, their skills not going anywhere i don't think right they might be a little rusty when they come back but then there's all these other players who have been playing you know uh multiple weeklies every week until you know the the real life tournaments come back and they're going to be you know that much sharper that much better um so uh don't mean as much it depends on which which uh online events i think you're talking about i think the players cups um even in stuff like the limitless the limitless events were huge so many players playing in them internationally uh it was just kind of ridiculous how many people played in those things um that's winning that thing is is on the same level in my opinion as easily as like a regional win or anything like that like it's it's if not even more so just like the amount of people who played in those um the amount you had to do to qualify and then the international the, for me the biggest thing is the international uh, the international play because that usually only happens at internationals or worlds 
but no one discredits someone for winning a regional, right? And that's only locally to your region. But these things, everyone from all over the world are, are playing in these things, in these bigger events. So, um, yeah, there's no, they're they're hard to win. Uh, and um, yeah, definitely tons of credit due to anyone anyone who does win these bigger uh, invitational or whatever players cup one players cup seven whatever events for sure um yeah i think it depends on what you mean like a less legitimate so do you mean as like you know an uh, achievement as information based on the meta like i think obviously the meta that we have in this kind of online era isn't the same meta we'd have in an irl era i think that's pretty widely agreed upon um so they may be less legitimate in terms of like determining like a the true meta but also it doesn't really matter what the true meta is because you know a meta is whatever people play so it's all the same thing um in terms of like accomplishment wise i mean i think it it's all like pretty much touched on most things the weekly ones are are pretty good it just depends on i guess how serious it is what the stakes are because that that i guess determines legitimacy because how hard are people going to try for this event like are they going to play the best stack they can are they going to play their best you know they kind of putting everything on the line that kind of thing like the only thing that makes it less legitimate in or less of an achievement sometimes is the fact that people have nothing on the line so they don't really have an incentive to try that hard on a lot of these things but in terms of the actual huge online tournaments like you know the limitless qualifiers uh players cup things like that people are going to try pretty hard and i don't think it really makes it any less of an accomplishment uh overall yeah um i definitely don't think that some of these smaller online events are very prestigious so i wouldn't i would i would try not to like i would try not to uh, uh, how do i say this yeah i'm not gonna say that um i think the way i see some of these smaller online events is kind of what azul said the in my eyes it's like testing so if you're winning these events you're seeing success uh it's like good testing and like Azul mentioned as well, you're doing these things multiple times a week. I mean, there was a point in time where Hexters were three times a week. If you play every Hexter, you're testing these tournament, you know, like basically tournament level events uh, every week, three times a week. And then, you know, there's several other events than just Hexters. You have Azul's events, you have the PokeX events, you have XYZ, you know, shout out to everyone running events. But you have so many events. And I feel like the people that are like taking advantage of grinding now and learning some of these things are like skills that they're starting to recognize now when the game comes back, a hundred percent agree with what Azul said will uh, become some of the, the best players. And I know from personal experience, I have not been playing this game like nearly as much as I used to. Um, if at all, I don't play a whole lot outside of like the players cup and the pog championships. And I feel washed. Like there are I watch my friends play and I'm just like, holy, how did I how did I just go from you know, I was pretty good at top eighting events and now I'm just like I'm really washed and it's been a good few months since I've played, so I definitely feel the rust is on and like if if I return to the game playing, I'm I'm kinda scared. Like I don't think I'm in the position that I was before the whole online thing happened. I definitely feel washed and I'm not like on top of stuff. So I hundred percent agree with Azul and you know. For myself personally, hopefully I can break that rust, break the mold. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will also touch on quickly. I think uh, also with the tournaments being best of one does slightly, uh, I guess, reduce uh, credibility of results and things like that because best of one is just more increased variance. Um, obviously, naturally, best of three results are going to be a little bit more uh, weighted towards the the better players. Um, so I think obviously that can uh, also play into factor. But you know, again, in these players' cup things, they're all best of three. So completely agree that those are just as prestigious 
Um, I, uh, I would want to mention, I would also just say, like, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, um, it doesn't matter. You should be wanting to continuously play Pokemon for the love of uh, the game. Um, uh, don't let anyone talk you down, like, from, you know, what uh, what wins you might pick up in this online era uh, of uh, Pokemon and just, like, have fun with it. And, uh, yeah, just uh, keep doing you. All accomplishments are accomplishments. It doesn't matter how big or small. Winning my first league challenge felt just as good as my first top eight. Uh, any accomplishment is an accomplishment. Like, I, Azul is 100% correct. Um, I want to talk, touch on Chip's uh, topic that he put in chat, and then we're going to try and dra drag in one more caller. I think this was pretty interesting. Chip says, Earlier you talked about players who play whose play surprised you how good they were. On the other side of the coin, who are some good players you have who have made some really bad plays versus you that you had to question it were surprised by. I'm going to yoink the spotlight reel here. Right, uh, sorry, real quick. I am the worst player that I've ever played against. I make so many mistakes that are just like so dumb when I play on stream. So I am by far the worst player I've ever played against. Uh, go ahead, Azul. Uh, I feel like these stand out a little bit more to me, but I'm like trying to think of... Uh... I still can't like come up with like a specific person or anything um, or specific situation. Um, I mean, I make a lot of mistakes myself, but you see all your own mistakes, and that's what you want to be able to see your mistakes. That's like the biggest thing is being able to see your mistakes. So everyone, everyone should be there. The worst player they've ever seen play for sure should be yourself. Um, but uh, can't think of anyone like super well known where they just did something. And I was like, all right, I guess, yeah, sure, all right, whatever, man. <laughs> and they just lose the game because of it. Nothing off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's happened uh, many times, many times. Um. I think the only one, uh, there's been like times I was playing, um, I was in top eight of worlds and my opponent, uh, Kai, when I think trying a different strategy, uh, he went like full Raichu early against Mewtwo instead of trying to full blitz. Um, and I kind of just killed it and the game was over. <laughs> um, I didn't, didn't like that approach, but, uh, I think, I guess you can pardon it a little bit because it's a new kind of matchup, but, uh, other than that, I don't think I've, uh, I mean, I, as Azul and Will said, like I've done so many silly things in my time uh, that I don't think you can really talk too much shit about your opponents at that point. Like everyone's made more mistakes than they've spotted, <laughs> so I think that's the the main thing. Like, uh, yeah, I, I think I think there's not too much else. In addition to what Azul said, um, noticing your mistakes is probably one of the best skills you can learn. I think we talked about this when Katron was on the cast. And if you're able to identify your mistakes, you can learn so much from them. And then, like, it's unlikely you make that mistake again. Uh, so I know that losing to Jimmy on a deck out just made me realize deck out plays way more. Like, I'm actively looking for deck out plays. How can I boss stall my opponent or whatever? So, yeah, I definitely feel like if you can learn how to make, like, stop saying you got unlucky for the most part, I mean, it does happen, but if you can stop doing that and start to, like, learn from what you're doing wrong or maybe, like, plan out your turns a little bit better, you'll learn so much. Uh, and I think that's definitely one of the best takeaways from that topic. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go into the last caller here, and then we're going to wrap up the cast. Another another interesting topic, we're going to go ahead and drag him in. What's your name and uh, where are you calling from? Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Jacob. I'm from Austria and Europe. Uh, and I... It's very early for me, so. <laughs> no problem. Welcome, welcome. What is your topic for today? Uh, my topic is uh, 
Sports Ridiculous, the seniors would have aged up this season down the line to play in the Players' Cup. Okay, so why, or it's ridiculous that seniors that aged up this past year aren't able to play in Players' Cup as well? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes, I think it goes further than that. So as far as I know, um, the only reason seniors can't play in Players' Cup is because there's like a just like general law age restriction of, you know, you have to be 13, 13 plus or, or over 13. 13 or 13 or over, right? Anyone under 13 can't participate. Like the the one that I heard specifically was uh you like like you're you're not allowed to be on Discord unless you are um 13 or older, right? And then it's okay as if that's the reason Pokemon's like, okay, we use Discord to run these events. We can't let, you know, people uh, you know, younger than 13 uh, play in our events. Um and oh, but there's that means those pe- some of those people are in the seniors division. It's like, okay, well we can't let anyone in the seniors division play. To me that's ridiculous. Um you shouldn't like your your events should become thirteen plus. That's what that's what the players' cup should be. It should be people who are thirteen and older. It shouldn't be the whole of the seniors' division. We could be here for a year or more doing these online events. Why why are why are we gonna restrict the as restrict players who we don't have to restrict from being able to play in the events because parents of other seniors are gonna get mad? I don't even think other seniors would get mad. I think the biggest thing would be parents might get mad. Um, cause there's the whole thing. If, if, you know, if my kid can't do it, your can't, kid can't do it kind of thing. And someone brought that up in my chat when I talked about this, um, on my stream a little while back, it was like, well, then my kid can't play, um, was basically the, the, what an argument against it. Um, but that whole thing is like ridiculous. Another one brought up an argument of, well, um, uh, what if the parents don't want their kids, you know, interacting with strangers on the internet? Well, maybe they should do some parenting and decide they're, they don't want their kid playing in this event. Right. Um, so I think it's just ridiculous that not just seniors who would have aged up, but anyone who is 13 or older cannot play in the Players' Cup. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really makes too much sense outside of the age legality. I don't think there's much reason for it. I don't have a strong opinion that we shouldn't allow any seniors in the Players' Cup because, uh, I mean, maybe we shouldn't because they'll just beat us all. But <laughs> I think, uh, I think... It's totally fine uh, that we could just, you know, let people in. I think it's just an unfortunate thing that's kind of happened, at least with the ones that are about to age up, because they're just kind of blanket ruling it that no seniors. But then, I correct me if I'm wrong, they extended the age up period of seniors this year um, because of the whole COVID thing and the season, like, hiatus. Uh, and so it's kind of just an unfortunate collateral damage. Uh, I might be wrong on that. But, I mean, yeah, this, again, there's no reason. Uh, I think it sucks that they're limiting seniors because i feel like a lot of or i mean not a lot because obviously masters is the biggest division but like i feel like that kind of hurts the future of the game especially if they're not letting seniors that would become masters uh play because like while we're in this downtime you want to keep the younger groups engaged and obviously legality i get that but like i started when i was i think 13 uh yeah 13 i think so like i was I was playing back then. I would want to play in this. Azul started when he was a lot younger. He would also want to play in this. Henry, I think you were, probably were around thirteen, maybe a little or, older. Uh, yeah, fourteen. But I feel like I feel like you want to encourage the younger groups to play. Uh, you know, going around the legality of it all. But yeah, I definitely think it sucks, and I think that they should work on that with the list of everything else that they should work on. Yeah, and also I think just a side note, I feel like it's probably a pretty easy fix for them. Surely they could just like. I mean, maybe it's too difficult with an online thing, but if they just, like, somehow request parental permission, I feel like that'd be something that they could just, like, 
too. Like if they have a parent sign off, like you know, a a field trip kind of permission <laughs> slip, then should be should be fine, right? Or the the parents give permission, like say that they're monitoring them or whatever, you know, helping them out. I don't. Know. I feel like that's one way they can get around it. But hopefully, that we see this kind of go away or get resolved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jake and Eater. Great topic, and hopefully, you get to play an event soon. Thank you. I'm qualified. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, so before we wrap up the, the, the show, just want to go back to Chip's question real quick. The worst player I've ever seen make a misplayed busted Katron. He did something very similar to me in a top eight of his own regionals. Pretty bad throw. Probably the worst player that's not myself I've ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that guy, we had him on the cast. Probably never again. That guy sucks. But uh, thank yeah, you guys. Or, go ahead, Azul. Well. You got it. I should, yeah, I should call Katron as well, bro. Like, I mean, I'm not Grant Manley, but just to speak for Grant, uh, yeah, worst player uh, ever, bro. For sure, bro. Insane. Oh, God. Henry, you want to add? Uh, we need to get Grant on here. I want to hear his opinions. <laughs> <laughs> bro, stop leaking, the, stop leaking the guest, bro. Stop leaking the guest. All right. So, guys, that's going to be it for the show. We had an amazing one. I want to say a huge thank you to Azul for coming on before we uh, do post-closings and stuff. I want to give the floor to Azul. You guys all probably already know him, but if you don't, Azul, where can people find you? The floor is yours. Yeah. Um. Thanks for having me on, guys. You can find me AzulGG, Twitch, uh, YouTube, Azul underscore GG on Twitch. Twitter, I believe. I think that's where I still have an underscore over there, unfortunately. Um, yeah, check me out there. I stream. I make YouTube videos. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Appreciate it. All right, Henry, over to you. Um, yeah, nothing for me. You guys know who I am. Uh, go check out Azul. He makes some cool videos. <laughs> so then I have to apologize because I put Azul's Twitter handle wrong on the screen, that means. So if you want to follow Azul on Twitter, Azul underscore GG is the place to find him. Guys, an excellent episode excellent show excellent cast thank you to everyone that's here live on twitch thank you for the follows the host uh everything like that welcome to everyone in the discord we run this show every week i'm probably going to do four more episodes call this a season take a week break continue from there Uh, i need to talk to henry about that but i loved it this is a great show we got a ton of cool information on this cast lots of cool takes maybe some pokemon representatives see this take some action We'd love to see it. But guys, thank you so much for watching and we'll see you all next week for another episode of the PDCG Hotline. Have a good one.